Hello, and welcome to episode number eight of Preaching from the Pulpit. This is a ministry of the Maryville Baptist Church in Louisville, Kentucky. We trust you will enjoy listening as our outreach pastor, Brother Josh Smith, preaches on one more round. Second Corinthians chapter 4, and you find your spot there, let's stand. It's been good to be in the Lord's house today. Uh, what a blessing it is to be at Maryville Baptist Church every time the doors are open. Uh, ought to be, I hope it's a very familiar uh, passage of Scripture to you. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 4 and, and verse number 8, the Bible says, We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down but not destroyed. I believe in all of the Word of God. If there's ever a passage of Scripture to go into 2021 with on your heart, it's 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9, because that's still the God that I serve. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you tonight. Thank you so much for loving us. Thank you for the Word of God. God, I, I pray now, Lord, you'd help me to be a blessing in this time. Lord, that's my desire. That's my want. Uh, Lord, you know my heart. Uh, Lord, if it, if it come between preaching a great sermon and being a blessing, I'd choose to be a blessing. And God, I pray, Lord, I pray now you'd meet in our hearts, do a work that only you could do. Lord, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You can, you can be seated. As we look at the text tonight, it's, it's not very difficult to interpret the Word of God. It's, it's pretty plain, and I like it. Uh, I love, absolutely love, I find a whole lot of help in 2 Corinthians, uh, to the, the letter there to the Corinthian church. If you know much about the, the church at Corinth, uh, it was a very carnal church, it was a very fleshly church. The church is going the wrong direction, doing the wrong thing. Yet we find in 2 Corinthians chapter number 4 that the Bible makes a great promise that God's always, what I see in the text, and we'll go get there in a little while, that God's always going to be there. He's never going to leave. You. He's never going to forsake you. You will not be destroyed regardless of who you are. Now, I want you to understand some things in the text before we get to the message tonight. We see in, in, in the Word of God that the Bible does not take lightly the fact that the devil is going to attack you in your life. The devil is going to mess you up personally. He has set it out as his goal, his goal to mess you up. That's his desire. How does he do it? Now, I believe in a personal devil, and that personal devil's name is your name. Whatever your name is, that's your personal devil. Whatever face you look at in the mirror every day, that's your personal devil. The greatest victory, the greatest victory you'll ever have in your life is the victory that you have over your own self. So often we want, we, I believe this now, and if I'm wrong, that's all right, but I really believe we give the devil way too much credit. I really do. I believe, I believe the, the majority and the bulk of our problems in our life stem from us. It's me. So often we have to take ownership and look in the mirror and say the reason that I'm down, the reason that I'm depressed, the reason I'm discouraged, it's your fault. 
It's you. And before we can fix the problem, we've got to recognize the problem. The Bible makes it very plain. The Bible says we're troubled on every side. The devil is going to try his best to destroy you. Problems are going to come. You look back on 2020, you can't say you didn't have problems. I don't know a person, I don't know a person living today that can look back on 2020 and say, I had no problems. I made somebody upset on Thursday night. I was preaching to the young people Thursday night, and I told the young people, I said, 2020 is the absolute worst year that I've ever had in my life, and I can, I can say that. Why? Because I've lived it. I know it. This was my worst year. I look, I look back on my life and, and the difficulty that I've been through, and I say 2020 is my worst year. But at the end of it, you and I must realize that God is still on His throne. God is still good. You and I are here. We're alive. We're well. The Bible, the, the promise in the Word of God that He'll never leave us nor forsake us, He'd supply our every need. There's not one person here that can say, God, let them down in 2020. God is still good regardless regardless how difficult the problems of life might be. The Bible said that you and I are troubled. The devil is going to attack, but it doesn't just say that he's going to, how, that he's going to attack. It says how he's going to do it. It said he's going to attack you on every single side. That means problems are going to come, and they're going to come again, 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 and again. They're going to come from the inside. They're going to come from the outside. They're going to come from the upside. They're going to come from the downside. They're going to come from absolutely every which direction you turn. They'll come at school. They'll come at work. They'll come at home. They'll come in your personal life. Problems are going to come. The devil is going to attack you from absolutely every side. I believe with all of my heart, if I was to define 2020 and what it was like, I would have to say that it was one of those years that it was one after another. When one problem came, it just seemed as soon as it was about gone, here come another. And as soon as that was about gone, here come another. And as soon as that was about gone, here come another. That was just one of those years. But the exact same Bible that says you and I are troubled on every side is the exact same Bible that says yet not distressed. Why? This is temporal. I don't know if you realize it or not, and I really believe that the older uh, that we get, the more understanding that we have of it, that this life is temporal. This life is not going to last forever. The problems that you and I face, the difficulties that you and I go through are not going to last forever. We must be careful not to live life for this side of eternity. This will not last forever. Well, that's been said, and I agree with it. One of the greatest verses in all the Bible is it came to pass. It's not going to stay this way. There's trouble on every side, yet the Bible says we're not in distress because with the attack of Satan comes the assurance of God. God will not leave you hanging. God will not take and suspend you and just leave you out to dry. Let me go out a little bit farther. Even when it's your fault... Even when it's your fault. I know, listen, I know that's not a place we want to say amen, but that's where reality ought to step in. We ought to look in the mirror and say at the end of the day, the majority of it is my fault. And even when it's your fault, God's not going to leave you out to dry. The Bible says we're troubled on every side, yet not distressed. The Bible says we're perplexed. We're confused. 
You ever had something happen and then ask this question? Why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to my church? Out of all the churches around, why does my church have to be on the news? I don't, I don't know if you thought it, but I thought it. I, I, out of all of them, why do they... And, and listen, I, I, I've grown up all my life looking like I look, and I know I'm not six foot. I'll never be six foot. I'm not muscular. I never have been. I never will be. I, I tell the young people all the time, I am Humpty Dumpty reincarnated, all right? That, that's who I am, all right? I understand that. So I know what it means to be picked on. But I'll tell you, at the end of the day, there's been a lot of days that I've asked God, I said, God, why are you allowing my church to be picked on? God, why are you allowing me to be picked on? God, why are you allowing me to go through this? Why am I having to deal with this? And I get confused. But notice what, what the text says. The Bible says we're perplexed, but we're not in despair. The Bible says that God is not the author of confusion. Do you know what confusion does? Confusion brings discouragement. We live in a generation, and, and I, I live in it. I, 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 I'm part of it. It's, it's my generation. The generations of the past seem to be very, very interested in the truth. But the generation that, that is, and the generation that's coming on, I really believe are more interested in the questions than they are the truth. They would rather ask questions about it and, and wonder upon it than they are concerned about, about the truth. And can I tell you this? Questioning breeds confusion. And confusion brings all discouragement. And you and I are going to go through some days of discouragement. We're going to go through some times of difficulty. But the Bible says that you and I, you and I are perplexed, but we're not in despair. When we get to the place that we're in despair, that's not God's fault. I, maybe I need to say that again. When we get in the place of desperation, and I know we've been there, you, you know this, now listen very closely. You can't get born again, you can't get saved until you first get desperate. Only desperate people are seeking a Savior. But once you have a Savior, you're no longer in despair. We have the Savior. So when we get in despair, that's not God's fault, that's my fault. That's, that's our fault. The Bible says we're perplexed, but we're not in despair. The Bible says that, that we're we're persecuted. You ever been persecuted? I'll tell you, I'll be honest with you up front, I'd rather, I'd rather you punch me in the eye than talk about me. You take it for what it's worth. I, I, I'd, I'm serious as a heart attack on a fat man. I would rather you punch me square in the face than talk about me. Hey, persecution comes in many ways. Now, I can go out, I'll be up front and honest with you, I've never took a black eye for Jesus. Never. But I can tell you this, as soon as you decide and determine in your heart to surrender, to give your heart to Jesus Christ and your life to Jesus Christ and say you're going to live for Him, that you're going to serve Him, no matter how big the job is, no matter how small the job is, you put a target on your back and persecution is going to come. The Bible, the Bible declares it. The Bible says we're persecuted. I mean, you, you, you've heard the gossip, you've heard the slander, you've heard the, the negative comments. And I want you to understand that. If you can hear it, the Lord hears it too. I, I believe this so often. So often we hear this, have you heard? Well, when people say that now, I'm ready to run. Now, I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear. But can I tell you this? If you can hear it, the Lord's heard it too. 
Hey, listen, you, you might be persecuted, but you're not forsaken. Hey, somebody might say something, but let, hey, that's just words, and I understand words hurt, words stick. Once they come out of your mouth, they can't go in. But you need to understand you're not alone. You might feel by yourself. You might feel like you're going through it by yourself. But I promise you this, when you get through it, you'll look back and see you as never by yourself. The Bible the Bible's very plain. It, it says we are persecuted, but we're not forsaken. I like this part right here. We're cast down, but we're not destroyed. You ever been to fight? Now listen, I, I, I should not say this, uh, but it, it, it's truth. I like fighting. I do. I enjoy fighting. I know that it's not right. I know that it's unchristian-like. I know that Scripture not to be, be brawlers. We're, we're not to be given to it. And I, I'll be honest with you, I like a good fight. I've been in a few fights. I have been beat up, believe it or not. I can remember the very first time I was ever beat up in my life, Matt Stein. I hope this goes out and he sees this. Matt Stein, I was in sixth grade at Bruce Middle School. My teacher, for some reason, had couches in the classroom. That's a big mistake. Everybody wants to sit on the couch. I went in. I sat on the couch. Matt Stein always sat in that place, but I beat him to school. I sat down. I wasn't getting up. He said, get up. I said, no. He said, that's my seat. I said, I don't care. Well, you know what he did? He sat down anyway on me and let me have it. Wore me out. Did you know that both of us went to the principal's office? Both, I got beat up. I never hit him one time. Didn't have time. He wore me out. We get to the principal's office. We're sitting there. He gave us both the same punishment. He didn't want to hear the story. He never asked me why I was fighting. He said, were you all fighting? It was evident. It was obvious. Were you all fighting? Yes. We both get in trouble. You know what I did the next day? We was in line at lunch. I took my metal lunch tray and I beat him over the head. I didn't say that it was right. I, listen, I'll stand before you today and say it was wrong. I'd like to talk. We've become good friends all the way through middle school after that. Boys do that. They get along, got along real well after that. But all of my life, I, I, I like fighting. I've, I've always liked fighting. It's, a, it's an enjoyable thing to me. It's become a sport. And if there's anything that's a sport, I, I guess it would, it would have to be fighting. Back in the 1800s, they called it prize fighting. That's where they got in the ring bare knuckles, and they fought for money. Now we call it boxing. My grandfather liked to watch boxing. He said, the only reason I watch it, he said, I don't know the guy's fighting. He said, I've never met him before. He said, but I enjoy to watch one man make another man's face look like hamburger. Now, I know it's unscriptural. I know it's not right. And I'll stand, I will, I'll stand against it. But as long as they put it on TV, you better turn it off because I'm going to watch it. I like a good fight. And when I read this text, without question... There's no one that can read 2 Corinthians chapter number 4 and verse number 8 and 9 and not know and grasp the fact that you and I are in a fight. The Apostle Paul said to young Timothy, I have fought a good fight. The Christian life, the Christian life is a battle. 
You and I are fighting. And I, I, I was thinking the Apostle Paul all through Scripture, you'll find illustrations. He loved sports. He was a sports nut. And his illustrations in the book of Hebrews and, and through the epistles over and over and over again were illustrations of athletic events. And as I think of this one, the athletic event that comes to mind has got to be a boxing match. Do you know at the end of the fight, when you're out there boxing at the end of the fight, they only raise the hand of one man. You ever watch it? They get out there and they, get, they dance. You ever seen them dance around like that? It makes me nervous. I always wonder why do they do it? Why do they got to be so light on their feet? Why are they hopping around back and forth? Oh, they look like a bunch of sissies. No, they don't want you to know when you're going to get hit. Hey, listen to me. Listen to me. This ain't got to do with the message because you take it home with you. You never know what the next phone call, next text message, next email, next social media post is going to bring you. You in a fight. But at the end of the match, the referee comes out and he raised one man's hand. At the end of the match, when the match is over, if you're victorious, if you're in defeat, you can only congratulate yourself or you can only blame yourself. You are the one that's in the fight. Now, we got to be careful, church. It's real easy to look around us and say, well, if so-and-so would have done this, it would have turned out this way. And if so-and-so would have done this, it would have turned out this way. You and I are in a fight. And we need to understand it's an individual fight. It's a personal fight. It's you. Now, I know that don't sound good and that don't sound real exciting, but it's a reality. But I, I want you to understand this. When it comes to boxing, the man in the ring is only as good as the fellows that are around him. Now, listen to me. You know what you got to have to be? You, you know, you can't just decide overnight, I'm going to be a boxer. I'm going to be a boxer. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a boxer. Don't work that way. First thing you got to get to be a boxer is you got to have a manager. You got to have somebody to schedule your fights. Now, listen to me. Every single one of us have somebody. If you're a born-again child of God, you've got somebody that schedules your fights. I know you've sat this year and you've said, why has God allowed our church to go through this? Why has God allowed this? And God, God scheduled the fight. Uh, we might not like it. We might not enjoy it. But at the end of the day, it was God that scheduled the fight. God's the manager. God's the one that put you in this thing. God's the one that built the church. God's the one that put us in this place. God's the one that scheduled the fight. You and I have a manager that decides where our fights are going to be. And can I tell you this? Now listen to me real well. Don't think for a minute that God's going to put you in a fight you're not ready for. I didn't say you weren't going to get beat up. I never said that for a minute. But I said, God's not. Why? The Bible's very plain that He's not going to lay any temptation on you. That He doesn't make a way of escape. Hey, listen, so often, so often we're more concerned. We're more concerned about handling a situation and it's not long before the situation is handling us. You see, God's the manager. God's the one in charge. Can I go a little farther? You, you, you also got to have this. You got to have somebody standing over there in your corner. That's called your coach. Because you know what's going to happen in a fight? Somebody's going to punch you in the mouth. Ain't that good? You ever thought about that, a boxer going into a, a boxing match? What, you, you see him come in and, and he's got that, that big, pretty, shiny bathrobe on? Y'all seen him and they play some kind of music and get him all pumped up? 
You want to know why they do that? Why they play the music? Why they put the bathrobe on him? Because he knows he's about to get in a ring and somebody's going to punch him in the face. That takes a lot of building up. You don't just volunteer. Hey, I want you to punch me in the face and I'm excited about it. If that's you, your bread's not quite done. No, he's got to be pumped. He's got to be primed. You want to know who takes care of that? That's his coach. That's the fellow that's standing over in the corner. Hey, that though, that though he might not be out in the ring facing what you're facing, though he might not be out in the ring fighting the battle that you're fighting, there's somebody over in the corner that's straightening you out. They're saying, hey, you ought to be throwing an uppercut. You ought to be throwing a jab. There's somebody that's watching your backs and you ought not be going that direction. There's somebody watching your backs and you ought not be watching that. You ought not be looking at that. Hey, you ought not be turning that way. You better thank God you got a coach. You better thank God you got somebody in your corner. You better thank God that there's somebody there that's willing to straighten you out when you need it. Because can I help Can I help you right here? The same person that's there to straighten you out when you get all bloody in the ring, he's also the same man that's in the corner patching up your bloody lip. He's putting ice on your black eye. Hey, he's the one that, that's, that, that's clogging up your bloody nose. He's also the one that's taking care of you. So you got to have a good manager. And we've got one. But you also got to have a good coach. And we've got one. But there's three things a good boxer has to have. He's got to have a good manager. He's got to have a good coach. But he's also got to have a good sparring partner. My principal in high school, Brother Lou Merrill. Brother Lou Merrill was a monster. I mean, a big, 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 big dude. Now, I'm not for, I'm not for Cassius Clay. You can call him Muhammad if you want to. And I'm not for him. But he was a good boxer. Lou Merrill, my principal in high school, was his sparring partner coming up. And he used to tell us stories about boxing. And I thought about this. You, you want to know, listen to me now. You, you want to know something? I've learned this along the way. I, I'm not very old, but I hope I've learned a little bit as I've gotten older. In my 36 years of life, I've learned this, that if I'm ever to become a better Christian... I've got to hang around Christians that are better than me. Does that, does that make sense? If, if, if I'm to ever become a better Christian, I've got to hang around Christians that are better than I am. Now, if, if we're not careful, the first thought that's going to come to our mind is, well, I can't find any. And if you need a reason to go to the altar later, that was it. But do you not understand the water never rises any higher than its source? Ever. Ever. You better be careful who you spar with. You better be careful who you're friends with. I, listen, I gear the 90% of my messages to young people, and I know this one is too, but I'm not so sure that it changes as we get any older. Your friends will destroy you, or your friends will make you. you got to have a sparring partner that will pray for you. you got to have a sparring partner that will pull you. I hear, I hear this all the time. We need to push them the right way. Push them. No, 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 no. If they're having to push you the right way, then they're the wrong type of friend. They ought to be pulling you up where they're at. Does that make sense? But you know what else? 
You know what a good sparring partner does? He picks you up when you fall down. Even if it's their fault. You you understand that the sparring partners you're around are are flesh just like you are. And they're going to mess up and you're going to mess up. Both of you are going to get knocked down. But listen, they're there to help you get back up. I, I, I want you to understand. I want you to understand this. Going through everything that has taken place. And I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know. I've not been here since 1968. And I don't look like it. I've read all the church minutes. I've watched everything that I know of that's been recorded of the church. Uh, and don't think that I'm great and grand. Just years ago, Brother Jack gave me the job of transferring it all from VHS to DVD. All right? Not the greatest person in the world. Oh, he's so interested in the church, he watched it all. I'm not going to let you walk away thinking that. That's... <laughs> but I, I'm going to go out and say, this might not have been the worst year for Maryville Baptist Church, despite the fights and difficulties we've been through as a church this year. I don't know. But I know this. Without you, I'm not going to make it. And whether you want to admit it or not, without me, you're not going to make it. There's a reason the Bible says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves. The key word there, together. Together. That means that I need you. And you need me. I'm going to ask you this. You, you, you can be real with me. Listen to me real well. I've watched some boxing matches. I've watched some boxing matches to where the coach, the coach has been over in the corner with a white towel in his hand. I don't know if you know anything about boxing, but if the coach, not the fighter, if the coach throws in the towel, Matches over. Can I be honest with you? At the end of the day, at the end of the day, the best of the coach is still just a man. And listen to me now. Listen to me real well. You ever thought about quitting? You ever thought about throwing in the towel? You ever looked at somebody else's fight and thought about throwing in the towel for them? Job's wife did. What are you trying to say, Brother Josh? I'm I'm trying to say this. I need you. You need me. It's called a church. It's more than four walls. It's a body of believers. It's yoked together in one accord to lift the name of a man that can change the world. Now listen to me. I've wanted to quit. I've wrote out the resignation. I don't want to admit it. I've had the meeting. I've wanted, I have wanted, I have wanted to throw in the towel, get somebody else to throw in the towel. I've wanted the towel thrown because I've been to where I thought I couldn't take it anymore. Do you know what the book says? The book says we're cast down. Now listen, that means we get knocked down. But you and I are not cast out. We're not destroyed. You and I might get in a fight and we might get knocked down, but don't mean we're going to get knocked out. That's a promise of God. 1892. 1892 is a professional boxer named Gentleman Jim. Gentleman Jim went toe-to-toe with John L. Sullivan. 
I don't know if you know much about boxing, but this was before boxing became a sissy sport, and they put gloves on their hands. Back when boxing was boxing. John L. Sullivan went 61 rounds. 61 rounds in order to attain the heavyweight title. Two years later, Gentleman Jim faced him. Went 21 rounds with John L. Sullivan and beat him. One. It's 1892. There was no television news program. Nothing like that. Next day, the next day, the headlines read on the newspaper. It was simply this. I wanted to fight one more round. It was in big, bold letters across the newspaper. Under it was the story of how Gentleman Jim beat John L. Sullivan when nobody thought that it was even a possibility. They said, how did you do it? He said, I just determined that I wanted to fight one more round. I wanted to fight one more round. Just let me go one more round. I got to thinking on that this afternoon. And I got to thinking, when your nose gets bloody because you put it in somebody's business where it didn't belong, maybe you ought to get up and just determine to go one more round. Maybe when your lips get bloody because you said something you never should have said, maybe it's then you've got to determine to get up and go one more round. Or maybe if you've got to shuffle your legs because you're so weak in your knees, back to the middle of the ring to fight because you went someplace you never should have went. Maybe you just need to determine, just give me one more round. Because if you and I are honest, at the end of the day, the greatest battle that you and I fight is the battle of self. But you and I must determine the type of fighter we're going to be is a get-back-up fighter. You know that scriptural. The Bible says a just man. The just man falleth and get back up again. Listen, not the wicked man. Not the ungodly man. Not the man that doesn't love God or want to serve God or interested in the things of God. The Bible says the just man falls and gets back up. I want to ask you, church, young people, it's 2021. Wouldn't you like to go one more round? Wouldn't you like to get in there and fight one more time? You see, we're in the midst of the battle. It's real easy. It's real easy to get hung up in the adrenaline of it. When everybody's saying you have to do this, and you, you, your adrenaline gets pumping and saying, oh, we're, we're going to stand, we're going to stand. But then time goes by and it's not as exciting as it was before. And everybody's talking about you. And everybody's running you down. You begin to think, I don't know that I want to do that again. How about just one more round? If God was faithful in the round of 2020, don't you think he'll be faithful in 2021? If 2020 was really that bad and you're still here, you know good and well 2021 can't take you. Why? Look at 2 Corinthians chapter number 4, verse 8. We're troubled on every side. Troubled on every side. It's, it's coming. It's here. Trouble is here. But you and I are not finished. There's a promise of God. 
that says, You and I will not be destroyed. Let's determine to fight one more round.